Good evening, everyone, and you're now watching a live edition of George Alabama Sports Live Show. I'm Thrift Farringer alongside my partner in crime, Richard Holdridge. We got a great show for you today. So we're going to have on some great guests. Obviously, there's been some breaking news last night about, unless you're living under a rock, you know what's happening in Columbus, Georgia, come 2025 spring, which is double-A baseball um, for the Atlanta Braves minor league affiliate from Mississippi. So we'll talk about that. We're going to actually have Tom Callahan on from the Ignite Sports to give his opinion on it. We're going to go back and forth a little bit with him. Also going to have uh, one of the top coaches in our area, Coach Kendall Mills, legendary coach, um, a guy that I respect very dearly. And he's got a really good Hawks program, 10 and 6 on the season. And uh, they got a big one tonight. So, oh, yeah. Looking forward to seeing what happens with that one. Um, we're getting him right before his game. So thank you again for Coach doing that. But we're not going to bring him on just just one moment, Richard, because we have him um, to come and talk Hardaway Hawks basketball, talk Columbus basketball in general, and how this year you you got a lot of teams that could vie for deep playoff runs, girls and boys. But, Richard, um, we, we last talked on Sunday and a national championship happened. We'll do quick thoughts on that. Um, we'll talk a little Falcons as they fired Arthur Smith. We're, um, we'll also dive into some Auburn, Alabama, and Georgia for next season, college basketball for those three teams, and any other hot topics. And we'll get out of here in about an hour, hour and 15. Um, but, Richard, how are you, man? I've been doing great, Thrift. It's really great just to get on once again to talk sports. I mean, we've had a lot of sporting events, especially – the one that broke yesterday, I mean, I remember exactly where I was when I heard the news that minor league baseball was coming to Columbus for 2025. And in my opinion, in the four years I've been doing a podcast, I mean, this is the biggest sports story that has come across, you know, me covering sports here in the Tri-City area. But yeah, congratulations to Michigan, national champions, and Arthur Smith, I mean, it was time to go. I mean, you go three years, going three, seven, and ten seasons, and you can't even make the playoffs. No improvement. The team quit right. on Arthur Smith, and I think it's time for a change. No doubt. Um, and that's what's coming. And I, I completely agree with it. And Arthur Blank is saying that instead of giving Terry Fotno, who hired Arthur Smith, they're not going to fire him, but they're not giving him all the reins to make the next hire either. It's going to be between Arthur Blank and Rich McKay, um, the president of the Atlanta Falcons organization, longtime uh, executive for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers back when they won a Super Bowl. So I think if you're the Falcons, you take your time. I would love to see a guy like Mike Vrabel, who I think oh, yeah. if they don't trade away their talent, which is like A.J. Brown, um, I mean, you know, he doesn't lose top-end guys. For nothing, the Titans are still winning. It was two years ago in 2021 that they were the number one seed. And then two uh, two years prior to that, they made the conference championship uh, against the Chiefs back in 2019. Um, so I, I would definitely hope that they would go after someone like Mike Vrabel if you're the Atlanta Falcons. But a lot of time to digest that. But disappointment is an understatement for a team that this year, looking at their schedule and looking at the end of the year, beginning of the year, coming in from last year's records, Falcons had the easiest schedule. At the end of the season, still the easiest schedule. And yet, 7-10 and 10 is the best you can do. And it all boiled down to bad coaching decisions and quarterback play. Everything else was ab uh, either above average or right at average and good enough with that schedule. And in this division, uh, no less 
to at least go nine and eight, ten and seven, and make the daggum playoffs. I thought that was a given at least with this schedule, and I thought that would be the worst. The best case scenario is Falcons win 13, 12 games and still be mediocre, but because of their schedule, they won a lot of games. That happens for a lot of teams. They, they couldn't even win nine games. Um, just sure. ultimate disappointment. I, I think know. this is worse than if when Arthur Smith, if he would have went like 5-12 and 12 two years ago, I think that team was better than the way this team played um, and I know they won seven games, but their schedule was just horrible. Thrift, I'm speechless the way the season ended. And if they would have beaten the Buccaneers just that one time at, at the Mercedes-Benz, they would be the NFC South champions. They would be hosting a playoff game against the Philadelphia Eagles Monday night and possibly even winning a playoff game because the Eagles have regressed so much that I actually like the Buccaneers' chances on Monday. But we got to search for a coach. I mean, there are some names they've thrown out there. I like Mike Vrabel. I actually like Eric Bieniemy, the offensive coordinator from Washington. Ben Johnson. Uh, yes, we went through this route, getting the hot coordinator. But every coach, with the exception of Arthur Smith, and let's not count Bobby Petrino. That was a disaster in 2007. Jim Moore Jr., Mike Smith, Dan Quinn, they have all at least got to the conference championship or have gotten to a Super Bowl. We've got to get a home run higher. But you also got to get the quarterback right. And in the draft, you got several quarterbacks like Jalen Daniels. You got possibly Michael Penix Jr., Bo Nix. Or I mean, they're they, throwing rumors out there that Kirk Cousins could come and sign. So I do like Kirk but Cousins. Obviously, getting a hot offensive minded coach is where they're going to go. And they're going to definitely need a quarterback. Um, and you can even go further than that. Go back to Dan Reeves. He made a Super Bowl, he was before Jim Moore. So Reeves. Mora, we won't throw Petrino, Reese Moore, Smith, and Quinn all at least made the Super Bowl or a conference championship, and definitely the playoffs and won a division championship. And the Falcons could do neither, not even make the playoffs, not even have a winning record. Unbelievable. Smith overrated, should never have gotten the job, I think, in the first place. I think he was the benefit of good coaching from Vrabel and a good scenario with the Titans. I mean, it's hard not to win when you can just hand it to Derrick Henry for 200 yards a game like he was doing back when Smith was the offensive coordinator. Um, and my last name before we have on Coach Mills, uh, Michigan. Um, put this one in one of the record books. Goes down as, I think, the greatest Michigan team of all time. And I know their schedule during the regular season wasn't great, but they dominated Ohio State. They honestly – aside from a couple of bad plays, really took care of Alabama, and they were the better team. They shouldn't even been in the position to play in overtime. They dominated that, especially that first half, um, and then took care, took care of business against Washington. Jim Harbaugh solidifies his legacy as one of the greatest coaches. I don't know if he's going to stay there and continue, maybe win another natty, or does he want to go on to the NFL? Either way, he's a heck of a coach, and he could be a Hall of Famer in the NFL or college. Either way, he could be in the Hall of Fame. Um, so congratulations and shout out to my guy Jonathan, aka Bucket Dusky, on Michigan winning a national championship. Um, and they deserved it. They were the best team in America this year. And looking forward to the way the landscape of college football is going to change for next year. All right, let's go ahead and bring him on. He is the leader of the 10 and 6 Hardaway Hawks. He is a longtime. Uh, basketball coach he's coached girls and boys he's got a lot of pedigree in, under his um under his resume as, of coaching 
and he is doing a great job with this year's Hardaway Hawks men's program that I think Coach Mills has a real good chance to win a region championship. Thank you so much for joining us, Coach. Appreciate it. Thank you, Richard. Thank you, Thrift. Um, I don't want to speak too much about the region. we got a big game in less than two hours, and uh, and, and Westover is going to be a challenge. We just got we just got to show up and hopefully play and get some wins and have some momentum going into region tournaments. Yep, and I thought, again, after Muskogee County Christmas tournament coming in third place for the second consecutive year, um, you came up just short against Cairo. Yeah. But l let's talk about this year's team, Coach. After last year, I have a bit of a struggle. This year, coming back with 13 or 14 seniors, yeah. Coach. And these guys love playing with each other. I think they know uh, the way you want them to play. It seems like everybody's on the same page. You've come up short in some close games, but I think that's going to prepare you, both for the long term, uh, this yep. season. Talk about your team and, and how much you love coaching these group of men. I love it because they enjoy being around each other. You know, sometimes you have a group of guys that just don't click off the court, so it's going to be hard to um, produce that on the court, but this group really enjoy being around each other. They talk to each other. They're always in the halls together. They're little groups, and um, it's, been a, it's been a treasure. I mean, it's just, I brought them along as if they were an AAU team, so I, I held them back. <laughs> I held them back, and um, and we're seeing some some good things happen. So, hopefully, this you know this 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 January is always tough because it's just Tuesday, Friday, Saturday, almost for the entire month. So, we just hope we can uh, grow. And if we do come up short on the scoreboard, we, we learn from it, bounce back, and um, continue to improve each and every day. Coach, not only are you the head basketball coach for the Varsity Boys, but you're also the athletic director. You've seen success from Hardaway basketball, not only with the boys this season, with a senior-led team, led by Lemel Mims, averaging 13 points a game, Makai Bitten, 12.6 points a game, Antonio Dorch, just balanced scoring from yep. your seniors. And you also have defensive stoppers like Zaire Hodge, and yep. then the uh, you, you got uh, John John Kyles has been doing a yep. great job. And uh, I enjoy watching Hardaway basketball. I enjoy watching the girls. They're going to play Westover. Yep. Actually, yep. in approximately less than an hour, Coach Kelly Ellison has yep. got her girls ready. Uh, you got Michaela Johnson averaging 17.5 points a game. A.K. Shelton averaging 13 points a game. They won the Muskogee County Christmas Tournament. When you go to face these region opponents, how exciting is it that the Hardaway girls and the boys team are really putting on a show for your fans. When you're able to have a program where both genders are able to compete, it is a bonus. You know, a lot of times you have a good boys team, not so good girls teams, or the flip side, you got a good girls team, not so good boys team. So it shows the growth in the program. It shows the growth in Hardaway athletics here. And I'm just fortunate enough to be leading it. Um, Speaking of Coach Ellison, she's not going to be here tonight, so I get to sit on the girls' bench. <laughs> and um, and I, I told her, I said, you know, I got it. You know, whatever you need me to do, I'll, I'll be the head coach. I'll be the assistant. I'll do whatever you need me to do to help the girls get to a, get a victory tonight. All right, let's talk about your region that you're in. Uh, came up short against Cairo. You saw Bainbridge, who beat Shaw this past weekend. Uh, you play Westover again tonight. They're undefeated. Um, yep. you, I know you throw out regular season records once you get into region play. They, those don't really matter because a team could be bad before the region and then oh, get yeah. hot during region. You've seen it so many times, Coach. So talk yeah. about what you need to get from your team to go through this gauntlet of Bainbridge, Westover, Cairo, and Shaw and come up victorious as hopefully region champs. 
You know, my challenge to my guys each and every night is just try to win the battle in the paint. Um, and what I mean by that is not necessarily just rebounding, but don't let the other team get paint touches. So we do drills on a daily basis, just trying to deny the offensive player a paint touch. And if we're able to do that and keep people out of the paint, I think we'll be successful. Um, the thing that happened at Cairo, hey, they made some threes. They made some big yeah. shots. Going back to before the break where we played Spencer, you know, they made some big shots, and, and we're contesting those shots. We just came up short on the scoreboard for those. So we get some toughness in the paint and get some defensive stops, and um, hopefully we're averaging around 58 a game. If we can get that up to about 65, I think that's going to be a bonus for us. Yep. Coach, you play Shaw this Friday on the campus of Shaw. Uh, what was the benefit of playing Shaw in the third-place game in the Muskogee County Christmas Tournament? Scouting. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I was thinking. Advanced scouting, you get film early. You get to really see how they're going to play. Um, um, their head coach wasn't there, um, Coach Dickey, but yep. um, uh, we just were able to get a feel for how they're going to play. Um, and I think that hopefully that will benefit us and you know, in the region play. All right, Coach. It, I was looking at your schedule. Uh, definitely going to be there when you play take on Shaw and when you have Cairo. So we'll be at Hardaway at least two more times, maybe three. And we're, right. we're hoping, Coach, we're crossing our fingers, is that the Hardaway uh, men's and women's teams get to host the region tournament. Uh, is that already predetermined, Coach? Or uh, they determined that? It's going to be at the uh, boys' site this year. So the girls may host um, an early round game, um, but the semifinals and finals will be at the number one boys' site. So, hey, you never know. Yep, we might, and, be, we might make Bainbridge, K. Roy, and everyone drive up this way, so we'll see. And we would love to make uh, the Hawks' nest our home during region tournament. Um, Coach, uh, let's talk about you as an AD and talk about all the programs at Hardaway. You know, this is a time to promote. I know it was a little bit of a down year. It's a growing year for the football program. Yes, it's yes. getting get the, establishing the culture. So talk about Coach McKenzie and how well – I thought he did an excellent job this year for the, yes. the cards he's dealt. He's building that yes. thing up. And any other sports you want to talk about, Coach, it's happened at Hardaway so far. You know, Coach McKenzie's working extremely hard. The guys are in the weight room right now. You know, we are out of school yesterday. And um, so just coming back from the break, and you get those guys fired up to get back in the weight room and work out in the offseason – Excuse me. Soccer will start up next week. Baseball will start up. We've got a brand new track coach coming, and um, so big things in the spring. Um, but we're, I mean, we're we're going to work hard. Hardaway High School is a is a good place to be, and I, I hope I don't, I'm not going to say I motivate, but you know, just lead by example. Show them how hard you got to work sometimes in the off season and during your season. Put the hours in, and and just. And don't worry about wins and losses. Just build your program the way you want it to be and build the character of your student-athletes. Coach, let's talk about your baseball team. The head baseball coach is, is Coach Eric Anthony, right? Or is that... Yes, sir. Yes. All right, well, I mean, baseball is going to be here before you know it. I mean, I'm looking at the schedule. You got a three-game series against what Michael Long Jr. is building up at Carver. I mean, he had a young team last year. This is a rivalry game. It's going to be a three-game series. It's going to be at Carver, and then it's going to be a 1-1-1 one, one, one format. But this is going to be a region rival next year when you're both right. in 2A. But how important is it just to get a good showing for the Hardaway baseball team and, and really just play well against these Columbus schools that actually want to make a good impression in the area as well? Yep, Coach Anthony's been with us for a few years, so he's built it, and he's not going to be senior loaded, but he's going to have the guys that he brought in, and he's worked with them now for two to three years, and hopefully we reap those benefits. This year, 
as well as the years to come. All right. Definitely the region will be set up, will be local next year. So it's going to be a, a bunch of big ba- um, baseball, basketball, football. Everything's going to be totally different once we're all in the same region. Well, Coach Mills, we appreciate you as always for coming on, man. And Coach Mills is the head boys coach at Hardaway, 10 and 6 on the season. Um, let's talk about just basketball in general around this area, Coach. Yep. I, Shaw's pretty good. Hard, you, obviously, you you know how high I speak of of the way you built your program at Hardaway, especially with this year's boys team. Um, the girls side, we all know about Hardaway um, and and Carver, but Spencer is is really good. They're competitive this year, and on the boys side, Shaw, Hardaway, Spencer, Carver, all these teams could host first round matchups. And then you, well, we're not even talking about the the private school side, Pacelli number one team right. in GIAA, Glenwood number one team in the AISA, of course, Central. They're loaded. There's a lot of great talent around here. I know we only talk about football. There's always great football talent. And right, that's really right. what's put Columbus on the map. But talk about this year. You've seen a lot of teams, coach. There's a lot of talent. And is it you think it's on the upward trend? Like this is one of the better years we've had in a while? It is. It is. I mean it's it's just so many. It's good athletes in the city of Columbus, and um, being that we're not in the same regions, I'm able to actually root for everyone. You know, just to do right. well for Muskogee County. Um, but there's talent at every single school. You don't know what you're going to run up into. That's what made the Christmas tournament so great. You know, um, there were almost two upsets. I know everyone was excited to see Spencer Carver matchup, but it was almost Hardaway Shaw in the finals. You know, we're we're less than five points away from Shaw Hardaway playing for the Christmas tournament title in boys basketball. Um, but it's, it's not, it's balance. It's balance. It's like the SEC sometimes. You don't know what's going to happen on any given night. And um, you got good coaches who just aspire to win and do the best they can. And we're just trying to represent our schools and our community in, a, in the best fashion we can. And I'm, I'm so proud of being able to broadcast these games and give exposure to all the talented players around this area. And one of the guys, Lamel Mims, I remember him two years ago at the, the uh, Perfect Practice uh, CB Hoots Fall League. And to see where he's at now as a leader on your team, that's credit to you, your program, and these guys that have the head on right. And I hope college coaches see that. Yep. That's what matters. And not just putting up 25, 26, 28 a game, coach. Being coachable, doing all the yep. little things yep. right. If you're having a bad night, you're cheering on your teammates instead of worrying about getting your own. Those little things matter, doesn't it, coach, when it comes yes, to sir. Absolutely does. And I talk so much about character and academics to these young men. So um, it's more than just about basketball. We're, we're building them up for the next level, whatever it may be. Armed forces, workforce, um, their careers, their jobs, family life, whatever they want to do. But you know, have some character and just have some dignity and pride in what you do. So if you just work hard every day, hope you reap the benefits and get rewarded for it. Well, thank you so much again, Coach Mills. Good luck tonight. We hope you're now one and one after tonight. And then got a big yeah, one right. against y'all. Coach Mills, thank you so much. And we'll have you on later on in the season. Go Hawks. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, Coach. All right. And that is Bye-bye. Coach Kendall Mills of the Hardaway Hawks. All right, Richard, by the way, did you just see the breaking news? Nick Saban is retiring from Alabama. It has been broke. On three has dropped it. ESPN has come out with it. Nick Saban is retiring and stepping away as the head coach of the Alabama Crimson Tide. I couldn't think of a better way to come back and to talk about what's happening around here. Unbelievable, Richard. Wow. Again, these are – it just came out. It's not a lot of information, but if you got 
ESPN, you got Yahoo. You got a lot of people dropping this, Richard. In my estimation, this is not going to be like a Tom Brady where he decides to come back. He could do that. Um, but, wow. I mean, he has nothing to coach for. So, it, it just it, I would have thought he wouldn't have went out on top with a national championship. But maybe this year took a lot out of him, man. It could have. This I told you, this is the most coaching he's probably had to do in a few years. Um, but give me your initial statement. Nick Saban retiring from the University of Alabama. I'm speechless. I mean, he doesn't have anything more to prove, but he has a lot of energy, and this was his best coaching year by far. He could do this for five more years. How do you replace a Nick Saban, one of the greatest, if not the greatest college football coach of all time? It's going to be very tough. And I know that there are some names out there that get thrown out like Dabo Sweeney because he played wide receiver at Alabama, but you're not going to replace Nick Saban. Yeah, but that um, you don't want to be the guy that replaces. Oh, not at all. You don't you want to be, be the guy the goat. after. You you don't want to be that guy that replaces Nick Saban. This this is – I'm absolutely stunned. And now you got Rumorville. Now you got – does Kiffin want to leave Ole Miss for Bama? Does Kirby Smart leave Georgia, his alma mater, to go where – he really cut his teeth in becoming the name he is today at Al University of Alabama. Um, do they go and get, like you said, a Dabo Sweeney? Either way, if they don't get Kirby Smart and they go get another name, not only are you replacing the GOAT, but then you're having to go against like a Kirby Smart who has turned Georgia into a dynasty. You got Texas and Oklahoma coming in. It, crazy time. And I, I think – also, probably what's going on in Coach Saban's head. I'm thinking that the changing landscape of college football right now turning to a 12-team playoff, he has had to adapt a lot. To see this happen right now, yes, I am shocked. I am surprised. But th there, there was no doubt that he had nothing left to coach for. He was doing it out of sheer joy and just wanted to continue to dominate. I, I, I am I'm mind boggled. Really, not much of a statement because I don't want to start speculating and already starting now who's his replacement. That's just, um, you know, hot topic radio land. And I don't want to be those typical guys, but I just can't believe what I just saw. Just to see Nick Saban retire. Um, a lot of airs are coming to an end, Richard. Coach K and from Duke, seeing him retire. Bayheim, Nick Saban, uh, Belichick's probably close to retiring. What we grew up through, me and you, watching the dominance of Alabama, New England, finally coming to an end. Um, we never thought it would end, and you know you don't think about like when is this? When are they, these guys going to retire? But it finally it, it is hitting me now. Any other statement from you, Richard? Well, I didn't think the, Unreal. the Yeah. I didn't think the Patriots dynasty was gonna ever come to an end. I didn't think the Spurs dynasty. I didn't think Gonzaga basketball would ever fall off the map. I mean, you're talking about 20 years of dominance. Nobody did it better than Nick Saban. He was the coach since 2007, six national championships, and just complete dominance. He could have three-peated if it wasn't for the kick six. I mean, shout out to Auburn fans. I know they were happy about that. I mean, we we actually remember the losses because they were so shocking. I mean, you have 
you have like uh, Chad Kelly throwing up a prayer to Laquan Treadwell for Ole Miss to beat Alabama. That's how shocking he he won so much that we remember the losses, and he will be missed. A true legend. And He's the greatest he, coach that's ever, ever lived. He's adapted and turned his program into what it was, which was defense, uh, ball possession, running the football, just sheer will to turning it into one of the most high-powered offenses we've ever seen back in 2020. If you look at the stats with Mac Jones and Najee Harris and uh, Waddle um, and Devontae Smith, who won the Heisman that year, to see him win six championships, to never have a season where he didn't win at least 10 games except for the first year, for 2008 to now winning 10 games or more, winning multiple SEC championships, just goes down as a legend. He goes down as a legend. He goes down as the greatest coach that's ever lived. He's better than Bear Bryant. There's no question. And a time in which it's harder now to be a college coach than it ever was before, Nick Saban is number one, and I don't know if he'll be surpassed. Because I don't think Kirby Smart's going to stay at Georgia long enough to get six national championships. Um, I could be wrong. He could be upended um, by him, but I, I just don't see it. Um, it. It could be like a Belichick did to Parcells, where he outdid Parcells, who was many many considered one of the greatest of all time. But shocking news, to say the least. National ch- uh, champion, greatest coach of all time, Nick Saban, stepping down from Alabama. And the list of candidates that's kind of replaced Nick Saban. I mean, you, a lot of a lot of people on social media are having fun with this. You got Lane Kiffin, Kalen DeBoer from Washington. How about Dion? <laughs> they're just having fun. How with about the list. Jimbo Fisher? Jimbo yeah. Fisher. Yeah, I mean they're gonna <laughs> they're they're gonna throw out as many names as possible. But Nick Saban. And here's my thing. I'm gonna throw this out there. I want it to be said right now, Richard. I'm looking at you. If you say I didn't say it. We don't, you're no longer part of George Alabama Sports Live, so you're on here. You got you hear it. Nick Saban could be either watch as the leader of the new college football world that is about to become, make him the president, and maybe they're, they're trying to make him the czar, and he makes the rules and punishes. I could see that happening, most 100%. I could see him going and taking over and being made – maybe a in charge of an NFL organization, not coach, but in charge. He could go coach in the NFL somewhere. I, don't don't write him off yet. He's still he's not going off in the sunset. Nick Saban will be doing something next year. The Czar thing is the one I think could happen. The, the I think that could be the one that, that that could really happen, Richard. Taking over and being the 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 voice. Um, with the chaos that's happening, he knows the game better than anyone. He can speak the language of administrators. He can speak the language of the coaches. Obviously, with Transfer Portal, NIL, something's got to change. Everyone's talking about it. Why not put this guy in charge? Yeah, and another legend who won a Super Bowl, Pete Carroll, has uh, stepped down as the coach for the Seattle Seahawks. I mean, It's, it's our childhood. It's what we grew up as as journalists. It's changing. And this happens all the time. Joe Pa, Bobby Bowden, those guys had to move on. Tom Osborne, a lot of great names have had to eventually retire. But to see Coach K, Coach Saban, the greatest college basketball coach, the greatest college football coach, retire in a two-year span, it's uh, 
it's it's hard to fathom, man. It just it seems like the ever changing world that we live in. Uh, but Pete Carroll, yes, he's another one moving there. Seattle's moving on. He, I mean, he has nothing else to coach for. He's won a college national championship, NFL Super Bowl. He, he's going to go down to the Hall of Famer first ballot. Uh, and he, he did everything. Honestly, the only thing he did wrong was he cost that dynasty because if he doesn't pass with Russell Wilson and Marshawn Lynch runs it in, are we talking Seattle and maybe he has three or four Super Bowls and maybe Belichick only ends up with like three or four instead of his six. And we're, we're talking about Pete Carroll's being one of the greatest NFL coaches of all time. Didn't happen that way, um, but he still goes down as a legend. Um, but, man, what news, Richard, to, to drop right in the middle of the show. Daddy Saban, as I used to call, because he was the <laughs> daddy of all the teams in the SEC. Uh, he, 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 he was basically the officials. Nobody wanted to, to go against him. Finally retiring. We'll move on now because, again, there's not a lot of information on it other than he's retiring. We gave our thoughts on him being the greatest of all time because he is. Uh, there are several times um, he, he has six. He could have ended up with nine or ten, Richard. That 13 team that gets upset by Auburn, they probably could win a national title. Uh, the 14 team had the – they lost Ohio State. They, they could have beat Oregon. Uh, the 15 team won, 16 lost. 18, both those lost in the national title to Clemson. 18, 16, they were up by double digits. Uh, just a lot of talented teams that he's coached at the University of Alabama. 2021, if Waddle and Williams don't get hurt, or not Waddle and Williams, Mechie and Williams don't get hurt in that national title game, they beat Georgia. Are we even talking about Kirby Smart right now? And Coach Saban's got seven. He's got seven total because the one at LSU. Right. six from Alabama. To win seven national titles, two at two different places, and I firmly believe if he had stayed at LSU all these years, he would have done the same thing at LSU. He would have just as many national titles if he didn't decide to go do that in the NFL. Any other final thoughts, Richard, before we move on? By the way, Ibraflus, uh is yeah, staying coming, on the Chicago. Coming back. So, they're firing their OC, but he is coming back. Um, I still think they're going to move off from Justin Fields. Uh, my thoughts on Alabama, I do remember a time before Nick Saban got there, when Alabama was just an average college football team, they'd be happy if they won 10 wins under Mike Shula. I'm talking about 2005, the Dennis Francione years. Uh, just Mike Price was the coach for maybe a couple of days. Uh, Alabama's going to go back to that. They're still going to be good. Well, I don't think we'll ever see the dominance of Alabama no, and ever I don't again. Think, and I think Coach, Pro, coach Saban's leaving the program too. It's not leaving it bare, man. They've already had a lot of these guys commit from the early signing period. So there's still a lot of talent for the next three or four years, even if the guy doesn't recruit to win immediately because of what's on that roster already. But right. Dennis Francione, um, you can go back to the Debose, like uh, everyone before, uh, after Gene Stalling, before Gene Stalling, after Bear Bryant, they've had some tough seasons, obviously during the Shula era, which he was just a, a scapegoat to come in during when they were battling through NCA investigations in 02 and 03. Um, you know, to come in and, and take Alabama to a place that it had been before with Bear Bryant, but not to this extent and this dominance in a land in which it's hard to dominate in this college football world the last 15, 20 years. That's why I have to put it there. I don't, think they, I don't think they go back, Richard. I do have a candidate. I actually, it crossed my mind. He played at Alabama in 2005. 
D'Amico Ryans. I know you're about the to head, say it. the head coach of the Houston Texans. If they offered him the job, he would take it in a heartbeat. That's and it. I think that he would be a perfect college coach. Wow. The only issue that's going to happen with and when it comes to you're right, they have unlimited resources, they have the money, you see, they have the pedigree, the history to win national titles. Everything's there for you. Is that you're having to replace Nick Saban? So somebody's going to want to take on that job and say, "I can do it." Um, I don't know who it is, and I wouldn't want to be him. Is no, you're right. All I want to say about that. Um, we're going to have Tom Callahan on here in just a few minutes. We're actually going to take a quick break. Richard, throw up some of our sponsors if you can, and uh, we'll come right back here in about the next 30 seconds or minutes. Still a lot to cover on the Georgia-Alabama Sports Live Show. Wow, breaking news. Nick Saban retiring from the University of Alabama after years of dominance, six national championships, seven total. The GOAT is finally stepping away. We'll take a break right now. Welcome back, everyone. Again, breaking news. The GOAT. He is stepping away. Nick Saban is retiring from Alabama. And uh, we'll see what his next plans are these next weeks and months moving forward. But a uh, legend and everything that is changing in, in the landscape of college football, just wow. Wow. To see this, and then you got the 12-team playoff. This happened right before it, an era, really, because everybody was like, an end of an era, you know, the first 10 years of the college football playoff, the four-teamer, end of an era back in 2013 after BCS. This is, this, you know, cements, I think, the end of the BCS and uh, playoff era, four-team playoff era, all in one, dominated by Saban. Going back to his LSU days when the BCS started in 98, Michigan State, LSU, and then Alabama. He goes down as the GOAT. Seven national championships at two programs. Just, wow. That's all I can say. Wow. Let's talk Auburn a little bit. Hugh Freeze brings in the number seven recruiting class. They're still going after it in the transfer portal. Uh, Hugh Freeze obviously taking the nation, I mean, taking the country in the college football landscape by recruiting. But you saw this year, he tried to be more of a CEO. He tried to take a step back, let Philip Montgomery be the hands-on, day-to-day play caller. And he basically managed recruiting, basically be able to be the overseer of the entire program. But it didn't work this year because whenever he didn't decide to put his imprint on the game plan, Auburn offense was ranked 100th or 115th in the nation. Terrible, putrid, horrific. And they looked terrible against Maryland. And obviously, his focus was recruiting. If he had to pick a battle, beating Maryland or bringing in the top seven recruiting class, Richard, he's taking that recruiting class. He can take that loss to Maryland all day long. But he decided that he's going to take over play calling. Kent Alston, who was his offensive coordinator at Liberty, he is now moves into the quarterback coach. I think he may hire someone else to be on that offensive staff. Watch out for that. Charles Kelly is now the defensive coordinator. It hasn't been named yet, but he is a, a he's going to be coaching at Auburn. They don't have what he's going to be doing, but I, I know Ron Roberts moves on from Auburn to go to Florida. So Ron Roberts gone defensive coordinator, but Auburn, Hugh Freeze, taking over play calling duties. And now when you got Saban retiring like you do, it, this opens up for, for Auburn to – are people going to transfer? Now with Alabama, the transfer portal's – can they? Can it be opened back up? That's a question. Can they actually transfer? I think it's too late now. They can't put their names in the right. transfer portal, so that they are they're stuck as of now. 
Um, but wow. Um, Hugh Freeze taking over play calling duties. I see them attacking the transfer portal. And next year, you got to improve from six and six. You got to at least win nine games, I think. And a much, I think it's going to be even tougher conference slate in the SEC. But Hugh Freeze says he's tired of it. He's going back to his play calling. This is not abnormal because every other stop other than Auburn, he's been the play caller. Yeah, and I'm wondering if Hank Brown is going to be the quarterback going forward in 2024. You know, he's the freshman. He came in. But if he is, he's going to have a pretty good target. that I think he's going to be an NFL receiver. That's Cam Coleman, the number one recruit in the entire state of Alabama, played at Central, won a state championship. We met him at the Sports Visions Awards luncheon. He is committed to Auburn, and I think he is going to make a tremendous impact year one in the 2024 schedule. I'm looking at, at the schedule, Thrift. I mean, they host Cal. Remember, they had to go all the way to Berkeley. Yep. Uh, they got that. I mean, they're playing Oklahoma. They got to be at Georgia. I think at Missouri is going to be a tough game. But I really see a four-game slate where they're playing Kentucky, Vanderbilt, ULM, uh, Texas A&M. You get it at home. You get Alabama and Tuscaloosa. But how is that Iron Bowl going to feel without Nick Saban in it? I mean, that's just going to be... Very interesting. I think that Auburn is going to improve, especially you got Hugh Freeze as the coach. We saw what he did at Ole Miss, right. and he develops quarterbacks, and the team just gets better. It does, and I expect big things coming from them uh, here in the next few months, especially when it comes to the transfer portal. Uh, but I think Hugh Freeze has got him in the right track. We'll see if he can get that offense um, up to par and through his standard and See if Auburn can win nine or ten games next year. Georgia, obviously, they return Carson back. Not much news other than they may be going after a few more people in the transfer portal. Pretty much their glass is solidified. Not much news other than if Kirby Smart decides to go um, to Alabama and take Nick Saban's spot. Um, <laughs> that, that, that's pretty much that, – that, that's the only thing that's happening around there. A thrift? So, 247 Sports just listed – the way too early national championship odds. I'm wondering if this is obviously going to change. Right now, Georgia has the best odds to win the national championship right. in the 2024 season. Alabama has the second best odds. I think that's going to change, especially since Nick Saban is not there. I mean, he makes all the difference in the world. It doesn't matter how many players you have. It's the GOAT. It's Nick Saban, and I think that Alabama's odds are not going to be as good. you got Ohio State. has got the third best odds. Not giving a whole lot of respect to Michigan. They got the fourth best odds. They still have a young this, team. And I wonder if this has an effect on Jim Harbaugh. I wonder now too. That, if Nick Saban was ret retiring, you feel like you 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 won an national title this year. You, Let's you run it back. Let's run it back. Let's win a few more. I'm wondering if he has that mentality or if he's got that itch for the NFL, which I completely understand because he was successful there and he coached your team, the 49ers, and it wasn't his fault that everything went falling down. You can put that on Trent Balky. Um, and, yeah, and, uh, York too, the the owner of the team. Um, but that's really all the updates when it comes to those teams. We'll hit on some college basketball. We're going to have on Tom Callahan here in just a moment. Richard, you'll let me know whenever he gets on board because we got some breaking news. The Mississippi Braves, AA affiliate, have decided to come to Columbus, Georgia. That news broke last night. Nick Saban. I mean, we had some breaking news. So we got a lot we're going to be hitting on with Tom. We'll give our opinion afterwards with that. I did want to hit on some NFL, Richard, quickly, um, and then we'll finish up with some college basketball after Tom. Looking at these, the way the playoffs are set up right now in the wild card, you got Browns, Texans. 
And I guess we can just do a quick uh, rapid fire with all the games. I think the Browns beat the Texans. As good as Stroud has played, shout out to Rex Castillo. The Texans, I can see them upsetting. Who knows? They could pull an upset. There's not a lot of expectations with them. They're playing with house money right now. Um, I like the Browns' defense. I think Joe Flacco is going to come in. and I think the Browns have a chance to maybe sneak maybe one or two games in the playoffs and make it to a conference championship because of that defense and because we see what happens with Joe Flacco when you're underestimating him. He can play like he did back in 2012. Browns over the Texans. What do you got, Rich? Joe Flacco's playing with a chip on his shoulder. He's 39 years old. He was on the couch mid-season. The Browns are on their fourth quarterback, and we thought it was going to be a disaster when Nick Chubb went out for the year, Deshaun Watson goes out for the year, but the Browns have a very good defense with Miles Garrett, Denzel Ward. I see the Browns winning not just this playoff game. I got them possibly upsetting the Baltimore Ravens in the divisional round. Yeah. I I was going to say that, Richard, but I was going to wait and let them see if they're going to upset the Texans. Dolphins and Chiefs, I think Chiefs take care of business. I think Tua Tagovailoa is going to be uh, – he's going to have a rough game. He ended the season on a low note, and I don't think the Dolphins go into Kansas City. And I, I don't think Kansas City – and hear me out on this. I don't think they make a conference championship this year. I think that run of consecutive conference championships – 2018, 19, 20, 21, 22, five straight years. I think it ends this year, but it doesn't end in the wild card round. I do think they beat the Dolphins. Um, and then we'll hit on some of the other ones right after. Actually, uh, this is a perfect segue because his favorite team is the next team we would be talking about. I'm talking about Tom Callahan's Buffalo Bills. Well, let's do that real quick. Steelers and Bills, I think the Bills are the hottest team in the NFL right now. And I think the Bills take care of business against the Steelers. I honestly have the Bills going all the way to the Super Bowl, if you were to ask me. But we got on with us legendary play-by-play uh, -play announcer, a guy that is just a guy I look up to in the business of Ignite Sports. It is Tom Callahan, the voice of the Columbus River Dragons. How are you, Tom? Thank you so much for joining us. I'm good, guys. How are you doing? Uh, excellent. And I know... There's a lot of news that just popped up, uh, Tom. In the middle of the yeah. show, Nick Saban's size retire. So we, of course, had a hit on that. That's pretty big news. But locally, a, a bomb dropped. Uh, and, and we kind of knew what was happening as there were a city council meeting meetings that were lasting forever, talking about the Mississippi Braves, the AA affiliate for the Atlanta Braves, coming here to Columbus, Georgia. Um, but, Tom, really, I just want the floor to be yours. You don't post a lot, especially when it comes to your opinion about stuff. You did post something on Facebook. I'm just going to let you g give your thoughts, give your thoughts, uh, especially with Ignite Sports, on, on y'all's thought process with everything that's happened the last couple of days in terms of baseball around here. Yeah, it's um, on the face. Double uh, A Braves team coming to Columbus is good for the city. Uh, you know, as I said, it looks good on the marketing brochure. Uh, you know, hey, the the it's good for the Braves probably to have everybody in the state of Georgia now. Um, you know, that's that's nice to move guys up and down the system a lot quicker. Um, it's going to require some serious investment into uh, Golden Park even more to bring it up than the money that Ignite Sports invested. Uh, which they did. Um, you know, Jeff Krupp uh, put his money into that ballpark. And it's a little disappointing. Well, it's a lot disappointing. I mean, for me, I called it heartbreaking. It is, um, you know, baseball is one of the reasons I came here in the first place. 
uh, and I'm, I'm not being facetious or over exaggerating when I say if the job here in Columbus didn't have both hockey and baseball, I might not have applied. Uh, I came here because there was both and I love baseball. I'm a big baseball guy. I always have been uh, really enjoy the sport, whether it's as a spectator or, um, you know, being involved in calling it and being a part of it. Um, ever since I was a little kid, I've always loved the the history and the romance around the game of baseball. And so to be a part of that again uh, on, you know, a full-time basis was great. To be involved in a league like the Sunbelt League was tremendous because it's a college wood bat league where, you know, the kids are playing because they love it. They actually pay to play in that league. And that's something that, you know, I don't think a lot of fans realize uh, those those kids are playing because they want to continue to get better. They want to continue to improve, um, you know, and maybe move up the ladder a little bit and see if there is a chance to further their playing career and prepare a little bit for professional baseball. It's not aluminum bat or, or composite or whatever. You know, they, I don't know what they're made out of anymore, but right. um, I don't think anybody does. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> you know, it's 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 different for them. It's a different experience. Uh, and a different way of learning. Pitchers have to figure out uh, different ways of competing, and and it does help some of these college kids get better because some come in with essentially workout orders. You know, hey, uh, a coach says I want this guy to work on high pressure relief situations, or I want this guy to try to get stretched out to a starter, or you know, different things like that. And for the hitters, it's a little taste of what it's like to suddenly not have that power. Uh, you know, from the bat. So I thought it was a great league. I thought it was very entertaining baseball. Um, and and so that's what we were bringing to Columbus this year with two teams, the Chattahoots and the Monsters. That's going away now. And that's disappointing to me uh, because I love it so much. And I know that the fans we did have were diehard. Uh, who loved it just as much and came out to those games. And, and do I wish we had a full ballpark every night? Yeah, but did we sell out fireworks night? Absolutely. Um, they're going to have to bring the standards of the ballpark up a little bit more. There's there's extensive renovation that needs to be done. And to answer the question I've seen probably the most, that's why the Hoots and the Monsters are not playing this summer. Pretty much this week, we're out of the ballpark. And that's what we're dealing with right now. It's it's sudden. Um, I can't say it's unexpected. They've been talking about it for a while, right? But it's disappointing that Ignite are the ones who led the way, put the effort in, put the money into it, uh, and really led a community back to enjoying baseball. Um, and now we have zero part in it. Yeah, I, I think that's a great answer, Tom. And uh, listen... I get your statement, and I make the same thing. Obviously, for the city, they, they see the economic value and putting Columbus on the map, um, talking about AA affiliate where top knowledge, top talented prospects have come through. But let's be honest, this wouldn't be the first time a minor league team has come through Columbus, Georgia, and they have moved on because of attendance and issues that you've talked about when it comes to uh, Golden Park. And hopefully that does change, but – there's no doubt in my mind, and hopefully you can piggyback on this, Tom, that the way people view baseball now because of Golden Park is because of the footwork that Jeff Krupp, yourself, and Ignite Sports have done over these last few seasons that has the city talking about, hey, let's go down to Golden Park and watch some baseball. I, do you feel like that's a little bit of a slap in the face in that aspect because 
making you move so quickly after you're one of the main reasons why they can make a move like this in the first place. Uh, it, I know that's hard to swallow a little bit. And Jeff would probably be better to answer that than me uh, yeah. because it was not my wallet. Um, but um, I can just tell you from the, the blood, sweat and tears perspective of not only, I mean, me, I put in, you know, I, I don't think my effort is anywhere near uh, the efforts of some of our real behind the scenes employees, both in the monsters and, and on the Chattahoots, uh, you know, uh, Johnny and, and the work he did just putting together a ball team so that the monsters could even play this year, Johnny Eaton, uh, Steve Smith and, and like McClendon Hill and all these guys who, who put their, and Mac was out there every day working on that field every day. That was his baby. He loves it. And, and you know, the, it, we took pride in that. We took pride in that for Columbus. Um, so yeah, it, it, it hurts because basically what you've done is after a couple of teams have left and said, this won't work here, we came in with a different model and showed that what we were doing could work and does work. Um, but now we're back to the minor league baseball model, which is more expensive, uh, has a higher overhead by far. Um, and even though, you know, Braves are, are, are paying players in their system, but beyond that, man, there's an awful lot of costs involved with, I, I've talked to some of my friends in and around the baseball world when there was talk of this first starting, uh, back up. And I mean, even single A teams have multi-million dollar operating costs, let alone up to double A. Now, this is not a cheap endeavor. So if you think you're just going to, you know, roll in and, and that's the thing is how do you position yourself now? Do you still try to have cheap ticket prices? Like, I don't think you're going to have as cheap as the Chattahoots. No. Um, but maybe a couple seats and what are the renovations to the ballpark? Is it extra seating? Is it different seating? Are they going to try to break it up now? Maybe there's there, we go to loge boxes and club seats and you know, all these things that uh, I think we didn't have in a way on purpose. Um, you know, monsters games are general admission, pay one price, five bucks, come on in on a Sunday, watch a double header. Right. So, you know, that was, that was done on purpose. And uh, just to give, people here who can't afford a $20 ticket to something, the chance to come in and, and have a team to root for and be a part of it. So, and I, I have zero knowledge, zero knowledge of what that team is going to charge or what they're going to look for, uh, how much it's going to cost. And that's why I said in my Facebook post, I expect it to do well in the short term because people will be excited. There's right. always excitement when that new franchise comes to town. What the city of Columbus has to figure out and, and by the city of Columbus, I mean the people of Columbus and the people of the Chattahoochee Valley. For this to be long-term successful, it is on the small business owners and it is on the individuals to pony up and put their money into when they say they love baseball, you need to come out and support it and continue to support it, not just buy a ticket to opening day and disappear. You know, come in, buy a T-shirt and a hot dog, and then we don't see you again. Um, and whatever this team is coming in, that's the other thing, longer schedule. We had the benefit of playing a shorter schedule, and I say benefit because that's fewer dates to have to worry about, to cover, to spend the money on you know, paying your employees and whatever. Not that you want to cheap out, but my point is far lower operating budget, and this is going to be different, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to cost more for everybody all the way around. And again, I love baseball. Am, am I going to want to check out a game? Sure I am. I'm going to want to see what it's like. Uh, I just, 
you know, I, I hope it is viable for Columbus. I hope it doesn't turn into another, yeah, we tried it, it didn't work again. Tom, the last time Columbus had a minor league baseball team, the Columbus Catfish were here. They left in 2008. They were in the Sally League, which is low single A. The last time a double A team was here was the Columbus Astros in the late 1980s. This is a different ball game. And I'm looking at the Southern Baseball League. I worked for the West Tennessee Diamond Jacks. I know about double A baseball in the Southern League. We know about the Birmingham Barons. I mean, Michael Jordan played it in 1994, sold out like every stadium. I'm looking at the capacity of these stadiums right here. I mean, you've got Probably going to be the region rival, the Montgomery Biscuits. They have the capacity 7,000. They're averaging about 5,000 to 7,000. Right now, historic Golden Park, we can get about 4,000 fans in there. We've already seen it with the Savannah Bananas in early 2022. But do the renovations have to equal what it holds for a double-A team to average about six to 7,000 fans? I didn't even think we could get 4,000 in there. I'll be honest with you. I thought it was more like 2,500. Um, so I don't know, Richard. That's a question I have no clue. Um, that's that's a question for this Braves organization to answer. Um, because it depends. I, I don't know. I mean, I you know, 100, what, 130 game season, I think. So you split that in half. So we're talking 65. Um, you know, so now let's, let's say... You know, your operating cost, uh, I don't know. I can't even imagine to start to do quick math on this. But so let's say your tickets at, at half the average 10 bucks ahead at 6000 So now you're bringing in $60,000 a game there, but then you need concessions. And then are they going to charge for parking? I have no idea. Um, you know, how much is their, their operating cost? What if it's a night game now? You're talking electricity for lights. And um there's a lot more to it than that. Um, and I have zero idea what their cost is going to be. I don't know where you're going to put 6,000 seats in that park, to be honest with you. You would have to... So if you're going to renovate, this is where it's going to get expensive. Now you got to move the bullpen down the left field line. Um, I don't know if they're going to leave the ballpark configured as it is. 415 to straightaway center, that is a long way to go. The wall is brick. That may or may not be something that the Braves as a double A team are even interested in entertaining their outfielders crashing into a brick wall, literally. Right. Um, exactly. So we may be tearing that down now and you've got to rebuild the clubhouses if you move stuff, or are you going to tear down the clubhouses in right field, put up bleachers, grandstands out that way. Now you have to reconfigure the wall around the outside of the park because that doesn't work that way. That building is a front-facing building, which you enter from the street. So there's a lot of things that could go into this, and you could run the costs up on the renovation pretty quick. Um, I honestly don't know the answer to any of the economic questions. I don't know what their seating capacity is going to be. No one's drawing 6,000 a game at the AA level. You may have that for your seating capacity. You're not drawing that. Minor league sports, the way it works, and I'll just give you a brief, brief class for, for the folks watching on minor Please league do. marketing. The way minor league marketing works in baseball is what they call temp poles. You have 65 games. You are not selling out 65 games. You're just not. So what you do is in a homestand, let's say you have an eight-game homestand. You have one, maybe two games in that homestand that you focus on selling out with groups and promotions, and you call it your temp pole game. So that is the, the game that the tent pole holds up the rest of the homestand. You hope you make enough money there to cover the couple of nights where you only have a couple hundred. Um, 
that's really how minor league sports in baseball specifically works. So you're going to see them promote the heck out of the big nights, like the opening night, the fireworks night. Um, maybe they're going to do something around Memorial Day if they're home, that kind of thing. If you have holidays at home, you push those. They're probably going to play into late August, maybe as late as early September. Maybe you're doing something around Labor Day. You're going to have to get through August, which around here is crazy hot. Um, oh, boy. And I'm thankful we didn't play through August. Uh, you're also going to have to renovate the ballpark because let's face it, that air does not move in that ballpark. Um, you know, you're going to have to put up whether it's fans or, or air circulation or whatever it is. Um, there's all kinds of things they're going to have to do, but the, the marketing efforts are going to go towards certain games. And then your diehards will come to a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday night game against the biscuits. Uh, but you're really focused on the Friday. Maybe you have fireworks every Friday at home. That's your tent pole is your Friday night fireworks. But now you got to go get that sponsored. There's a cost associated with that. It's three to $5,000 a game to put on a decent fireworks show. Well, you got to cover that, then cover your operating costs. And so that's why I'm saying it's on the small businesses of Columbus as much as it's on the single ticket buyers to be able to step up and continue to invest money in. Now, from that standpoint, does that hurt the River Dragons? Potentially. Someone is going to have to make a decision. They have, maybe they, they love sports. They love hockey. They love baseball. They have $3,000 that they've set aside and said, I'll market with $3,000 to the sports fans of Columbus. Do they split it? Do they then give 3000 to the baseball team and not to Columbus River Dragons? Yes, that's possible. Um, and it's an economic reality we're going to have to face as well. So you're competing for the same dollars in a market that doesn't have a ton of them to go around. That's going to be hard too, and it's it's going to be a battle. It really will. I think that's a everything you just said. You're only getting in here on Georgia Alabama Sports Live. Uh, thank you for taking us to class, uh, Professor Tom Callahan. Um, <laughs> but it, I think what you're saying is 100 percent on point, and I think that's where we can lead now. Talking about the River Dragons, we're talking about this year's team, um, but. You know, short term, y'all are just focused on getting through this season. Are you even thought about long term with next year and the year after? I know Jeff likes to work that away. Or y'all trying to keep that under wraps and let's just finish through this season first. Sure. We're always thinking about down the road business wise. Uh, the team on the ice is the team on the ice for this year. And that the hockey operation side focuses on this year. Business ops. I mean, we, we announced a five-year extension in the building. And by the way, I want to go ahead and, and please make it very clear. The baseball side and what's going on with Golden Park in no way impacts the River Dragons and the future of hockey in the Chattahoochee Valley. They're separate. Okay. Different building, different agreement. Which, as I mentioned, the five-year agreement, the extension was announced at the beginning of this fifth anniversary season. So there is that. And so, yes, of course, you are thinking about next year and beyond. Um, you're looking to always try to increase your, your corporate sales, your ticket sales, your season ticket holder base. Um, you know, Columbus is becoming a destination city in the FPHL. And I think you look at uh, Justin McDonald as a great example of that three-time league MVP, three-time champion. Where did he pick to come? He could have picked anywhere in the SP. Might have had a couple teams in the coast had the entire FPHL to pick from, came here. Uh, so that is that is telling that Columbus is destination for these guys. And you need to continue to build that up year after year. And that is not something that you do just by looking at it two weeks in advance. So, um, you know, we're, we're looking ahead, building the business plan, 
and trying to figure out ways to make it better every single season, every time out there uh, for the fan experience, for the for the businesses to be able to get what they need out of a partnership with the franchise. On the ice, though, boom, boom, our head coach, Jerome Bichard, will tell you he's worried about the next game, and uh, which we have Friday and Saturday, Elmira's coming to town. So, yeah, yeah that's, that's what we're focused on there. I mean, the team's off to a tremendous start on the ice. Um, and now that we're past Christmas, which Thanksgiving to Christmas, traditionally a slow spot in hockey. Um, now we're, we're in a spot where January up to the middle of February, we play 13 to 15 at home. Um, the team is in first place, 16 wins in 21 games, like off to a great start. It's a really good product on the ice right now. And I think the river dragons are in a great spot to succeed. And this, this could be the year. I don't know. I feel pretty good about this team. I like what they're building. Tom, let's talk about that Continental Division. You got a one-point lead over Carolina. And the way that the schedule is, you're front-loading Continental teams. You got some new expansion teams with the Blue Ridge Bobcats. Uh, you got the Mississippi Seawolves. You do have some teams that are in the south. You know, you got Baton Rouge, Zydeco. And you don't play the Empire teams as much. You probably won't face them until you get to the Commissioner's Cup. But how important is it for the Columbus River Dragons to get home ice where when they're playing Carolina, if they play Carolina in the FPHL playoffs, that they have home ice where they can get games two and three at home because we know that the playoff format is going to be one-two. Uh, last year, they won game one on their home ice, but it seems to be where they get that, they're, and then the other team, their backs are against the wall, but they are able to take advantage of home ice and get those two victories are, is Columbus thinking about trying to get home ice so they can get that format, so they can be assured to get two games at home in the playoffs? We actually uh, we were taping our, our weekly TV coaches show today, and, and um, Coach Bichard and I were talking about just that, uh, already looking down the road uh, at how important home ice is. Yes, that is the goal, not only home ice in the Continental Division, but top record in the league so that you host more of the championship games than the other team. And here's why. Look at last year's championship final. Carolina against Danbury. Carolina is the, uh, the uh, or Danbury's top seed, so they get home ice. The way they elect to do it is to play the first two games in Carolina in a best of five. Carolina won both. So now, which is a nightmare scenario for the Danbury Hattricks, but they're heading home and Carolina just needs to win one game on the road. They can't do it. Danbury wins three in a row, wins it in five, mm -hmm. wins it on home ice. It's huge. And with a building like Columbus, with our fans, this is a hard place to play. People don't really want to come here. They don't really want to face this team. Certainly not in this building. Uh, yeah, it's massive. Playing Carolina, that one extra deciding game here, if it comes to that, to get out of the division, absolutely you want that game here. Making a Danbury or a Binghamton or whoever, maybe you know we travel up there to start off the series, play two up there, come down here now for the potential of three. Yeah, you want that. Uh, and that is absolutely front and center on their minds right now. And you accomplish that by winning more games in regulation. Uh, because it not only feeds into tie breaks, but in the FPHL, for those who may not know, we're on a 3-2-1 scoring system, which means if you win a regulation, you get three points. If you go past regulation and win, you get two. 
that right there, the incredibly important difference. That's why right now Columbus is one point ahead. We won in regulation against Blue Ridge Saturday night. Carolina won in overtime. So what happens? We pull ahead by a point. There's your impetus to push for the win. And, I mean, in any given weekend, so uh, coming into the new year, we beat Carolina two out of three, took six out of a potential nine points. That's a bigger swing than taking four out of six. So, again, I mean, that's, you know, that is the focus. That is the focus is to be number one, not just in the division, but in the league. All right, coach. I mean, not coach. I was, I'm too busy interviewing so many coaches, Tom. That's I just, okay. I'll I take it. I'll uh, take it. You're, you're coaching us right now. How about that? Especially on hockey and everything happened in minor league sports. You mentioned sure. Justin McDonald. He's got 144 shots on goal. He's got 44 points this year. Uh, you've been here for for you know a couple seasons. You know about the history of the River Dragons. Is, is he the best player that's ever wore this uniform? Is he up there? Talk about how great he's been as an addition to the River Dragons this year. That's a really good question. Um, man, you had a couple of years ago, uh, Austin Doe, Josh Petrantonio put up 81 point seasons. Uh, J Mac is right now leading the league in assists. Uh, he's starting to put the puck in the net. And I, I want to mention Alexander Jamea, first River Dragons player to 20 goals this year. Right. Um, he's not too far down the leaderboard in the goal scoring race. There's, there's a lot. And, and this is the other thing. This is a really talented, really deep team. But everybody wants to play with Justin McDonald right now. Why? Because he can feed you the puck. He can also shoot it. Um, you know, he's a, a very complete, very smart hockey player. Might be at the end of the day, if he sticks around for a couple of years, easily I see his sweater going into the rafters mm. in Columbus. Easily. He is that type of player. He can be that type of player. And if he finishes his career here in Columbus, Certainly, that's the kind of send-off that guy wants. He came here to win a championship. He didn't come here to lead the league in scoring. He might end up doing it, but that's not why he's here. He's here because he likes the team that's been built and how he can elevate those. He makes guys around him better. And we talk about that in all sports. Does X player make you know Y and Z players around him better? Absolutely. Justin McDonald makes guys around him better. Um, so, yeah, he is absolutely in the running for uh you know best to ever wear that river dragons uniform but he's got some heady company and some of those guys are on this current team too yeah yeah I mean, he's had such great accolades you know playing for the watertown wolves and and winning a, a commissioner's cup with watertown playing for the atlanta gladiators the huntsville havoc i mean to have a great player like Justin McDonald, come into the River Dragons organization and to gel with your leaders like Josh Pietrantonia, Austin Doe, uh, Jay Krupp, who's he's still playing, even though he's getting ready to retire and probably going to go be the general manager. He's already the general manager, but you know they just that leadership of having Jay Krupp on the ice with the teammates. and It's really great when you have your veterans gelling with the newcomers, but I tell you, I'm just blown away, Tom. Just I was reading Justin McDonald's stats. I mean, he came, what, mid-season? Because I was actually keeping track of the River Dragon stats, and his stats are just off the charts. Yeah, well, he's been here since day one this season. Um, so, I mean, he started the year with us. And, in fact, he started out on a line with uh, Jamea and Cody Wick line that was oh, that's right. unbeatable in October. Uh, and then... As happens, when you get one line that's just dominant, other teams start to key on it. So what happens is you kind of break those guys up to try to distribute the uh, the talent. 
or at least the hot streaks throughout the lineup. Um, and, and like, I mean, the other game, uh, just towards the, the end of the game, Austin Doe ends up on a wing with McDonald, and all of a sudden, you know, they contribute uh, to a couple of goals by working with one another. And he's one of those players that just, again, like he, he can either shoot the puck. If a guy finds him, he can score the goal. He can also find the other guys. If your game is, hey, I'm going to get open, I'm the shooter, he'll find you. If your game is, hey, I'm the playmaker, I'm going to wheel around and, and create some open space, just get into that space and I'll put the puck there. Then you shoot it. Yeah, he can he can fill that role too. So, um, you know, it's it's really fun to watch. And actually, one of the things, again, just going back to our taping of the show today, which, by the way, will be on Christian Television Network on Thursday night, 7 o'clock, and there replayed Sunday at 1130, uh, or Saturday, pardon me, at 1130. Um, his ability to see the play, see the ice, watch him when he's not carrying the puck. That's when you appreciate the player he is. Watch him away from the play. Watch him when he's putting himself in position to be effective. How he's making those reads, how he's making those plays. All of a sudden, the puck's on his stick. It didn't just you know, go there like it was on a magnet. No, he had to do something in the time prior to that to put himself in position to end up with that puck on his stick. That's when you really appreciate the kind of player he is. All right, Tom, you got two home games this Friday and Saturday against Elmira. Um, then you got another one against Carolina on the road for two games. Then you got a, a bunch of home games coming up in the end of January, month of February. Uh, let's talk about this weekend in particular. Anything that's happening that you want to talk about? Any like you, you always got cool themes and everything else for the for the games. Anything happening this weekend? How can people get tickets and how can they follow you on social media to get all River Dragons information? Absolutely. And our social media has been just absolutely on fire lately. If you yep. follow us uh, over there, we appreciate it. But uh, you can generally find just search for Columbus River Dragons. The handles have to be a little different here to there, but generally see underscore River Dragons. Um, so I, I want to say also we have a Wednesday home game, which is Pucks and Prayers Night. Uh, and so that's a faith-based night. We have a speaker coming in. There's going to be some musical entertainment. Um, we, If anybody wants to come out and join us with any of their, their – maybe you gather normally on a Wednesday for a prayer group or a study group or whatever it may be, um, you know, just to have a fun night out in faith and fellowship. You can join us on Wednesday. We're doing groups for that. Uh, that game is at 7.05. And, and like I mentioned, we have a speaker starting at 6. And then, you know, we have a gospel artist performing. So it should be fantastic. Um, but to back up to this weekend, Friday, 7.35, Saturday is, and this is the only time this year the Elmira River Sharks come to town. So if you wanted to see them, this is it. Um, Saturday, 7.05. Saturday is our next family four-pack night. There we uh, go. Which, which is so, okay, I know we have a lot of fans of Chick-fil-A. So Chick-fil-A Midland and our sister station, uh, which is Kissing 99.3, they're co-sponsoring. And so... Listen, to this. this is crazy value. Normally, four tickets to a River Dragons game is going to run you a little more than 40 bucks. But for $40, you not only get four tickets, we're going to give you four Pepsi products, four popcorn, four hot dogs, and four coupons for Chick-fil-A sandwiches. Come on now. Yes. So Richard, I know, bought a hundred of these just for the Chick-fil-A coupons. <laughs> but but uh, so and those are only through the River Dragons office. I do want to mention that you can only get them in our office. It's not online at Ticketmaster.com. Uh, that's just for single seats. You have to call us or come to the office 706-507-4625. 
507-4625. Or, I mean, normal business hours, you can stop by too. And we have one a month. So January 13th is our one for January. We have them um, coming up in February, March, April, I think is actually the last home game of the year. But you can buy your four-pack now for all those games for the rest of the year. So those are always special nights. I know families love it. Um, you can upgrade, you can add a seat if you need to, there's some flexibility, but again, that's why we ask you to call us or come down because we realize not everybody's a family of four. So, um, you know, it, it should be a lot of fun. Should be six points. Uh, you know, you hope you, you put those in the, in the back pocket and, um, then on Wednesday night, uh, again, looking forward to a great night there. So, and it, anybody needs information anytime our dragons.com is the website our dragons.com probably your best resource yeah i'm actually using that resource right now as i'm looking there at the schedule. so there we go and carolina is the wednesday game and by the way that's a team that's our rival and vying for first place so you definitely want to go see that one and this weekend it's tom callahan yeah. we'll have him on many more times thank you so much my friend actually Thrift, what one more before we let him go? Uh, Tom, who do you got between Buffalo and Pittsburgh? Oh, <laughs> Can the Buffalo Bills make it to the Super Bowl? What kind of question is that? Yeah, come you're, on. Now. Well, you're a Bills fan. I just was wondered, it even a course, question? Come on. Of course, they can make the Super Bowl. The question is, can they win? Well, Josh Allen has got to uh, just play the way he's been playing. They were six and six. They've been really relying on James Cook running the football, and, and their defense has been playing very well. I do not trust James Cook. He puts the ball on the ground too much. I don't trust him. And I want to see. I that is see a diehard Bills fan right there. You you live and breathe the Buffalo Bills. I know that, that this is your team, and I'm I'm pulling for them. I want to see them do well in the AFC. We need to use Leonard Fournette more, in my opinion. They picked up Fournette. They put him on the practice squad around Halloween. He didn't play till December. He got into a game, then was out for a week. Now he was in again in week 18. Looked good against the Dolphins in I'll say limited touches. But Tom Brady loved this guy, raved about this guy, made Tampa Bay go out and get him because he can run the football, he can pass protect, he can block, he can catch it out of the backfield. I really hope that they're going to scheme to get Fournette more involved. Allen's got to limit his turnovers. That scares me. Cook's got to hang on to the football. That scares me, um, which is why I'd like to see a little bit more Leonard Fournette in there. I am not worried at all about the wideouts. I am a little worried about the injuries, um, especially on the defensive side of the ball. But hopefully that all pans itself out as well. But, you know, fingers crossed. I think I think they can get by the Steelers. Uh, it's going to be a tough challenge because the Steelers, they're the Steelers. And winter weather in Buffalo doesn't scare them. Um, you know, so I, I don't. And let's face it, there's a pretty good chance that the Chiefs beat the Dolphins because it's going to be eight degrees. It's going to be freezing cold. They're just going to be on the other side of what's supposed to be a winter storm rolling through Kansas City. Could we see another Buffalo KC matchup? Yeah, yeah, yeah we I'm, might. Yeah, I'm I'm picking that too. Buffalo Bills, yeah. they're they're my favorite to go to the Super Bowl. Um, but I'm with you. Playoff Lenny, he comes back like he did in 2020 with Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay, hey, the Bills could win a Super Bowl. Tom, thank you so much, and we'll talk to you later, man. All right, thank guys, you, thank you so much. That is Tom Callahan, the play-by-play -play announcer and executive of Ignite Sports. All right, Richard, let's go ahead and look at some of the other games, and I think that's a great segue. We'll knock them out real quick and get out of here. Packers and Cowboys. I think Cowboys dominate Jordan Love, and I think the Packers, the Cowboys move on. I honestly can see a Cowboys-Bills Super Bowl. That's the one we deserve, and that's probably the one we're not going to get. I think the game of – and I'll go ahead and pick Cowboys-Packers. Is it Cowboys favored right now? They're seven-and-a-half-point favorites. I, 
I don't see an upset happening. I think Cowboys the Cowboys have to win this. They have. They got to win the next two. They have to make yeah. it to at least the conference championship the first or, time in thirty or, years. Yeah. Or Mike McCarthy will be out of a job. They have got to get to the NFC Championship. So th this is a game where the Cowboys have to win. All right. The game of the week, I think, is the Lions and Rams. The Lions finally hosting a playoff game for the first time in years. The Lions have everything working for them. They have the, they're have tied for the best record uh, with the Cowboys and the 49ers with 12 wins. Dan Campbell, probably going to be coach of the year, has turned this program into a laughing sock and now a team that has the talent to beat anybody. And with that said, they have to welcome in their former quarterback, Matthew Stafford, on Sunday night football. And Sean McVay and the Los, uh, Los Angeles Rams are going to come into Detroit and upset the Lions. Everything's going for the Lions. And yet they had the, the, the one team they did not want to play and the one guy they didn't want to go against, Stafford's going to shove it to them one more time. And I think the Rams upset the Lions and move on to the next round, and we're going to have Rams-Cowboys in the second round. Where are you going with that one, Richard? Game of the week. Well, I don't think that anybody wants to play the Rams right now. But if, and if all the home teams win, let's say the Cowboys do beat the Packers, if the Rams beat the Lions, the Rams are playing the 49ers in the divisional round. That's the one team that I don't want to see the 49ers play in the divisional round. Yeah. The Rams are hot. Matthew Stafford is healthy. Kyron Williams is a Pro Bowl running back. Puka Nakua is the best rookie wide receiver. You still got Cooper Cup. You got Aaron Donald and a bunch of kids, but you still have a defense that's led by Aaron Donald. And if there's one thing that the Rams probably struggle with is probably the offensive line. I think that their offensive line is not as good as it was and that Aiden Super Bowl Huggins year. And have a big game, but I'm going Rams. Eagles and Bucks. As much as I would love to see a Baker Millfield upset, I don't think the Eagles lose this game. And I think the Eagles will play the 49ers in the second round. We're going to have Eagles 49ers. We're going to have Rams Cowboys in the NFC. In the AFC, we're going to have Ravens Browns, Bills Chiefs. That is a heck of a division round playoffs. Richard. Well, Thrift, uh, they don't they don't re they do the reseeding. So uh, the 49ers I, I, I didn't the, think they were going to reseed. They normally don't reseed. So they are reseeding this year. They are going to reseed. It it, it will be the that will be the the highest seed remaining. So, so we'll like be 49ers and Rams, and it'll and be Eagles Cowboys. Be Eagles Cowboys, and then on the flip side, it's going to be still Browns and Ravens, and then Chiefs and Bills. So how about incredible. that? Incredible, incredible divisional line. round. I'm Where hoping for that. Bucks or Eagles? I think that uh, I think Tampa Bay wins. The Eagles are so bad. AJ Brown might not even play. Jalen Hurts is banged up. I know that um, I had Jay Resher on my podcast, and 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 we both picked the Buccaneers. Uh, I think that uh, Baker Mayfield is a is a quarterback of destiny, and a lot of Bucks fans did not realize that Baker Mayfield would lead the Buccaneers to the playoffs, but they did. Uh, Mike Evans still a great wide receiver. Big play, Darius Slay might be out. Mike Evans might have to go up against the Georgia rookie quarter cornerback Keely Ringo. I'm very interested to see that matchup. I just think I'm not a believer in Nick Sirianni. They were 10 and 1. The Eagles won a lot of close games and they just free fell and limped into the playoffs. 11 and 6. You cannot carry that momentum and in going into the playoffs. If they lose this game to the Buccaneers, Nick Sirianni will be fired.
as Eagles head football coach. I don't know if I'm willing to go that far, Richard. If they lose to the Bucs, I think they still bring him back because he just made the Super Bowl last year. And remember, they fired Peterson. I don't, I'm don't. i not willing to go that far, but he will have to make changes, obviously, with offensive defensive coordinators. Um, looking forward to a good week of NFL football. High school basketball, we're not going to throw the rankings up. We got new rankings on Sunday we'll come out with. Hardaway's got a big one against Westover. Then they take on Shaw. Spencer's got a couple region games. We got Russell County Central. Thursday, we got Glenwood Lee Scott. That's number one versus number two in girls and boys happening on George Alabama Sports Live. CVCC, I talked to Coach Bird today. He's got the number one team in the state, and they're a top 20 team in the nation. They are literally out of the, they're one of 25 teams that can win a national title this year. They're the number one team in Alabama. CVCC taking on the number two team in Alabama, Sneed State, for junior college. That's going to be on tomorrow. Friday, we got Pacelli Strong Rock. Strong Rock boys, 13-1, their top four 4A team. The girls undefeated, their top two. They both take on Pacelli. You'll be with Calvary Konos. And Konos, we saw last year, upset the Calvary girls to make it to um, the state championship game. And the boys were pretty good as well. So, Richard, Konos and Calvary. Then Saturday, Russell County Central. Russell County. Just talk to Coach Knox. It, they, they think their boys team can win in a really tough region. They need to take on a good central team. We're going to have it on George Alabama Sports Live and Sandy Creek and um, Pacelli uh, play as well. Harris County's got a couple games. So uh, Carver, um, I know they got a couple big games this week. Next week, we got bigger ones. We got Carver Monroe we'll be at. But uh, let's. Can, I, I want to say this. I am proud of all the teams, the way they played around here, and looking forward to talking Sunday on what happened this weekend and our new dropping our new rankings. So tune in Sunday night for our new rankings on the Georgia Alabama Sports Live show. Last thing I did want to re- mention anything you want to touch on, Richard, real quick on the high school before I uh, move on to one more co- uh, topic. No, I'm just excited about the rankings that we've discussed. We're going to drop these rankings on Sunday's show. Uh, it's really. It's fun doing these rankings because there's just a lot of debate going back and forth. And I'm, we're, I'm just keeping a look at the schedule. By the way, Smith Station girls, they lost their first game of the season. They are no longer undefeated. They did lose to Auburn yesterday. And so uh, Auburn, a team that Central beat, Brooke Holloman, great guard, going up against Jabria Lindsay, a great guard for Central. I just love these matchups, Thrift. And really, it's about exposure for these players. we got a lot of young players that are going to play at the next level, like a Jaden Ford, who's only a sophomore. Tony Montgomery's only a junior. Jabria Lindsay's only a sophomore. Michaela Reed is only an eighth grader. I mean, there's just a lot of young talent here in the Chattahoochee Valley. Yep, no doubt about it. Um, so thank you again to everyone that is tuned in today. Last topic, uh, looking at the SEC, there is potential for nine teams to make it. This is the deepest the SEC has been in college basketball in a few years. Um, and I know it's gotten better ever since, you know, the, the hires of Bruce Pearl and Nate Oates and Rick Barnes at Tennessee. But looking right now, Auburn took care of A&M. They thrashed Arkansas. Auburn, I looked at Jay Billis. He came out with his top 60, and Jay Billis knows more about college basketball than anyone. He's got Auburn as the seventh-best team in America and as one of his favorites to make the Final Four. That's how loaded and deep this team is. Janai Bruins putting up 15-9. and You've got good guard play with a freshman sensation in Holloway. Guys that can knock down shots in Jones, Diverne Jones, and Trey Donaldson. Chad Baker-Mazzara is a guy that's – they got wing depth. They haven't had a wing like this and. 
Chaney Johnson in a long time, Richard, and then Jalen Williams, Jay Smooth. The guy is just so good and can come out and, and, and get shots when they need it. And then they got the Draymond Green of college basketball <laughs> and Katie Dagum Johnson. I, I like this Auburn team a lot. You got Kentucky, they're undefeated. Alabama's undefeated uh, in SEC play. Uh, Kentucky undefeated in SEC play. And, of course, Auburn undefeated. Georgia plays Arkansas at home tonight. I think they win that. And Georgia, Alabama, and Auburn all will be 2-0 and in SEC play. Tennessee, their win tonight. They'll be undefeated. Uh, LSU's undefeated in SEC play. They play Auburn this weekend. Um, but Al- Auburn, Alabama, and Georgia. Alabama and Auburn, I think, for sure make it. Okay, I think Alabama will be uh, Joey Brackets and Kim Palm. They got them between a six and eight seed. I see them being a six or seven seed. I think Auburn's going to be a three or four seed. And I think Georgia could possibly get in as maybe as an eight, nine, or ten seed. So that's good for all three teams that we want to cover, Richard. And I, like I said, the SEC is a gauntlet. Nothing is good as the Big 12. That's the best back college basketball conference. And it's only going to get better next year because they had Arizona and Colorado. So they, they they would have literally the top three teams in America in their conference if they if Arizona was with them this year. But obviously the Big 12 with Kansas and Houston, Houston Baylor, BYU. I mean, there is so much talent over Cincinnati. there. Cincinnati. Um, a lot of teams that are going to make it uh, with the Big 12. But the SEC – uh, I think they're the second-best conference in basketball right now. Um, Oklahoma, Texas, Iowa State, who just beat Houston, all these teams are going to make the tournament. Um, they, they got eight or nine just like the SEC do. But any any comments on the SEC and the Auburn Tigers? As a favorite to win it all this year, Bruce Pearl has another team as a top ten, and they are just clicking on all cylinders. Well, mark your calendars, everybody, because February the 17th, big game. This game – Kentucky comes to Neville Arena. I mean, oh, the demand wait. for this. The, we we got to get we got to find a way to get press passes. You know the 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 demand for these tickets. I mean, I remember seeing on StubHub they go for like three hundred, four hundred, five hundred dollars for these tickets. Fans just waiting days before just to get these tickets. Huge game. If you remember 2019 when Auburn went to the Final Four, they had to beat Kentucky in the Elite Eight to get to the Final Four. I expect these two teams to be the top two teams in the SEC battling out on February the 17th. I agree with you, and I cannot wait for college basketball. It's it's not a better time than right now for college basketball, especially during conference play. Last thoughts. I think it is a good move for the Mississippi Braves to come to Columbus. I'm thinking great things, and I'm hoping it's good for the city. I'm hoping it's good for Georgia-Alabama Sports Live. I'm hoping for big things in the future. I'm hoping maybe for an opportunity to be a part of their media coverage, um, which we would love that. Richard, I know you would too. I hate it for Coach Smith. I hate it for McClendon Hill. Coach Smith is one of the brightest young minds around. What he did with those college kids and giving them exposure to move on from college to pro, getting them better at their game, he, he did a phenomenal job. The, the Chathoots, Ignite, Tom Callahan, Zach DeBozart, Jeff Proop, everyone involved, great job giving us great content all the time um, and making it easily accessible for everyone in the community to come and be an affordable. I, I hate it for them. I, I'm hoping the best for the city. I'm hoping the best for the AA team to come here. And I, I was, we were talking with Coach. I mean, I, I keep wanting to say Coach, but – Mayor Skip Henderson during the the Campus Academy um, ribbon cutting. And he talked about this, and he thinks it's crucial. He thinks it's big. 
and we're all hoping for great things. But a sad day for the uh, the Chattoots and the Monsters. Sad day for guys like Michael Long Jr. and everyone, Brett Bowers, guys that I know they put their heart and soul into this organization that I think everyone can agree was a huge success. So thank you for Jeff. Thank you for everyone. And um, now we just got to move on to the AA Mississippi Braves. And I hope them and the River Dragons can coincide together. I do think it's going to work out, but it's going to start, as Tom said, with people in this community. You can't demand for the community to get better, to have good things, and then not support it. Things are not going to stay here unless you help them financially and support them. And I'm hoping that the, the River Dragons and the Chattahoots and everything that Ignite has done is putting Columbus on a map as someone that if you do it the right way, people will support. Because we've seen it fail in the past. I don't think it fails this time. I'm hoping for great things. Richard, any final thoughts before we get out of here? That was very well said, Thrift. Uh, I agree that, I mean, double-A baseball. I mean, a lot of Braves fans. This is Braves country. It's going to attract a lot of people from the outside market of Columbus. You're, you're talking about this outside of the Columbus market. They're talking about this on Sports Talk Radio in Atlanta, in Montgomery, in Birmingham. Uh, sad to see the Chattahoots go. I know I had a lot of fun calling those games with Tom Callahan and Noah Shelton, and I know that the Chattahoots paved the way. We're not talking about May minor league baseball in Columbus if it wasn't for the Chattahoots and the fans coming out to the ballpark. And I feel like the Chattahoots should get the respect they deserve, and we have got to acknowledge them for putting baseball back on the map in the Fountain City. And, and I'm excited, too, about minor league baseball coming to Columbus in 2025 because this is a great baseball town. We've had great baseball players like Frank Thomas, like Tim Hudson, Edwin Jackson, Glenn Davis, the Northern Little League team that won the Little League World Series in 2006. Great baseball town. Yeah, and – a lot of success, Columbus High, Glenwood, Calvary, multiple state championships. Oh, yeah. Uh, we, this we is, a baseball, this oh, is yeah. a baseball town. And, Huge. And I'm glad the Chattahoots had a successful run. I just hate it for them and Coach Smith and Clendon Hill. All right. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Thank you to Coach Mills. Thank you to Tom Callahan. Um, tomorrow, Sports Vision's radio show, 4 to 6 p.m. And then at 6 p.m., we got – Glenwood Lee Scott girls, and then we got Glenwood Lee Scott boys right after. Myself, Richard, you'll be on the call for the girls, and I'll join you once I get there. And then we'll both be on the call for the boys game. CBCC Sneeze State, Robert Edmonds will be there for that one on Thursday. Friday, we got a doubleheader. Calvary Konos, that's a big game in gaps for who can win a state championship. And Pacelli Strong Rock, big game in the GIAA. You also got Hardaway and Shaw uh, happening. A lot happened around this area, but for Georgia, Alabama, Sports Live, Calvary, and Pacelli. And then on Saturday, Pacelli, number one, Sandy Creek, and Russell County taking on Central. All on Georgia, Alabama, Sports Live YouTube page, which you need to subscribe to, and Facebook page, which you need to like. From Richard Holdridge, I'm Thrift Barringer saying, like Wes Hargrove always says, stay classy, everyone. We'll see you later.